Amen. Good morning. Morning, my name's Paul, one of the leaders here. It's great to see you. Great to see you. So many new faces as well. Welcome to Cornstone Church. Liverpool's good to see you this morning. Just a couple of things. That was great, wasn't it? Just to, to hear God working from a, on the internet in a global pandemic to in a Chinese education camp to actually growing through that through many years to an IT class. Who comes to faith in an IT class? That's just random. God's obviously at work, isn't he? Isn't that amazing? Um, we're actually going to be today, folks, in Acts chapter 8. So you've got your Bibles, if you're open, your Bibles up at Acts chapter 8. It is going to be up on the screen as well, but it's always helpful to have your Bibles open. Let me just confess as well, I've got a cough. Um, I'm going to say that right at the start. It's not COVID, but I've got a cough. So I'm just letting you know that so I don't have to tense every time I'm going to cough and I can just let it out and everyone's not running out of here going, no. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26. <clears throat> Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was, was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? He said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers is silent so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with his scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they had come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much. Already we have heard so much amazing truth of your work in the lives of your people, of how you call your people through all manner of circumstances, all manner of situations. And the one thing that unites these stories, the one thing that unites all of this is you, your presence, your goodness, your grace, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you have preached peace those who are far off and those who are near. And as we hear today, those two realities of those who are near and those who are far off, Father, we pray as people who are once far off that we would hear the peace that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by your Holy Spirit, Father, that our hearts too would rejoice as we hear from this word. Amen. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. 
who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth. See, these words spoken aloud are in our first scene. They are reverberating around the wilderness, the desert place. These words of life in a place which is lifeless. Words which, when explained rightly, turn someone's life upside down. See, as we come to this passage, our scene is set in the wilderness. We're in the desert of the Middle East. It's daytime, so the sun would have been beaten down. There is very little cover. There is very little vegetation. You've got sandy, rolling hills and a dusty, dirty path stretching from Jerusalem to Gaza. And it's here that we meet some of the most intriguing characters in Scripture. The first guy we meet is a guy called Philip. Now, Philip, he's a Jewish guy. And we've met him before in Acts, if you read through the book of Acts. He's been around since the start of the Christian church. Some people actually think he was one of the 72 that were sent out by Jesus. But the first time we actually meet him by name is in Acts 6. And the apostles, what's happening? They're proclaiming the gospel. And God's people are living out what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many people are being brought to faith. And God's people are multiplying. God's people are growing. And as the church grows, there's a lot more that needs to be done. So the apostles, they appoint seven men as deacons to serve in the church. And Philip, he's one of these men. The Bible tells us he's a man of, of godly character, a man of sacrificial love and service. He's, he's full of God's Holy Spirit. He's full of wisdom. He seems like the type of man who says, how can I help? Okay, what's the need? Where can I serve? He seems like a man with a real desire to serve God and his people. And then as we read through Acts, we get into Acts 7 and Acts 8. And we read that the church gets heavily persecuted. And one of his closest friends, a fellow deacon named Stephen, is publicly murdered for being a believer. And the church is forced to scatter. To scatter from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. They are scattered outwards. And Philip, he's faced with this persecution. He's still seeking to serve God in the best way that he, way that he can. And so we read as we approach chapter 8 here, we read through chapter 8, he goes and proclaims the gospel in Samaria. That wouldn't have been easy because there's a lot of tension between the, the Israelites and the, 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 the Samaritans. But many people became believers there. And it's here that the angel of the Lord tells him, go south. Go to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Philip, being the kind of guy he is, the servant-like attitude goes. He's not a man after comfort. He's not a man after security. He's not a man after personal ambition. He's a man seeking to live for God, to proclaim the name of Jesus at all cost. And as he's on this road, he meets our second character, another intriguing character, an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this guy's traveling in what would look like a wagon. It says chariot, but it would look like a wagon with a big roof over the top of it to protect him from the sun. And this guy served as a treasurer to Candace. She was the queen of Ethiopia. Now, in his role and what he would have done, he'd have seen a lot of sights. He could have told a lot of stories, but he's also worked through a lot of suffering. See, to be in close quarters, and such close quarters as he was to a, a female royal, required him to be a eunuch. Let me make that clear and uncomfortable for some of the men here. It required him to be castrated. This is a man who understood pain and loss. Many men crossing the legs here right now but it seems as well as we read this that he was a god-fearer what do i mean by god-fearer it means that he's someone who isn't jewish but he's come to worship the one true god of israel and he's been to jerusalem we read and he's actually on his way back to ethiopia 
But being a Gentile, that means he wasn't Jewish. Meant his access to the temple, his access to worship was restricted. But also being castrated would have stopped him actually entering the temple. So he's got these things that are stopping him enter into the temple. I mean, it must have been confusing for him. This is a guy who's drawn to the truth of the, the God of Israel, but he's feeling a sense of exclusion. He's someone who's trying to figure out what it is that he believes. And we read that he's reading aloud from Isaiah. Now, this actually implies he's a beginner. He's trying to figure it out. You see, the words in ancient manuscripts, they would have, they would have required the reader to spell them out as they read them. It's only really the experts or those really, really familiar with the manuscripts who wouldn't read them aloud. So you can imagine this guy, he feels like a bit of an outsider. He's actually trying to figure out what it is that he believes. He's trying to figure out what it is that this God of Israel is all about. And it's here that we meet our third character, which is actually the main character in the book of Acts. That's God's Holy Spirit. He's guiding, he's directing, he's helping God's people. In Acts 1 right at the start of Acts, Jesus, just before he ascends, says this. He tells his disciples, okay, when I ascend, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you. And he will give you power to be your, he will give you power to witnesses, to witness to me, to witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God's Holy Spirit is leading his people. The Holy Spirit is bringing God's people together. The Holy Spirit is causing and empowering God's mission as it moves forward. See, the Holy Spirit isn't surprised by this persecution. The Holy Spirit uses this persecution to motivate and move God's people to mission. God's Holy Spirit moved Philip. It worked through him. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now to the ends of the earth. And that's what we see here. God's mission is moving to the ends of the earth. It's moving to all people. You see, the Ethiopian, or in the Old Testament, Ethiopia would have been called Cush. It was as far south as a lot of the Jews would have gone. It would have been the end of the known world for them. And the Holy Spirit moves Philip to this encounter, this meeting in the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit is working on the Ethiopian eunuch's heart. God is at work. God is at work. So how are these two going to respond to God's moving and call? Verse 29 to 25, we get the wagon. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation was, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit's leading again. You can see this all over this passage. But we can also learn so much from how Philip responds and engages here. See, what does he do? What does he do? Go over and join this chariot, chariot the, the, the Holy Spirit says. Philip runs. Don't miss that word. Philip runs to the chariot. Yes, he's got to catch up to the chariot, but he runs. He goes. 
And his motivation is to serve God, to proclaim the news of Jesus Christ. So he's not thinking when the Holy Spirit says, go to the chariot, well, who's in there? What am I going to look like? What's he going to think of me? Is he going to think I'm a bit of a weirdo? Is he going to look at me funny? No, but he runs over. He steps. He runs into the opportunity that God gives him. And he hears those verses again. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before the cheerers is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? He steps in again. See, this is quite personal. This could be misinterpreted. Doesn't know who this guy is. He's obviously coming from Jerusalem today. He will have had all kinds of things around him. This could have been a dangerous situation for him. And the eunuch, well, the eunuch could have been proud. The eunuch could have withdrawn. The eunuch could have said, who do you think you are? The eunuch could have said, no, I'm going to figure this out on my own. But the answer that comes back is, I need help. I need help to understand this. I'm a beginner. I'm not Jewish. I didn't grow up with all this stuff that you grew up with. I've only just come across all this. This is all new to me. Would you help me? That's basically what's going on here. Would you help me? This question and asking for that help from someone who's been a, a believer for a lot longer and grown up with this, it actually doesn't make him less than the other person. It doesn't make him stupid. This is not a pathetic request. This is actually a rational request. He's saying, this sounds amazing. I'm drawn to this truth. Would you help me understand it? Would you help me show me what's going on here? And look what he does. He invites Philip into the wagon. He says, come up. And what does Philip do? Philip actually goes in. Philip goes into the eunuch space. He goes into where the eunuch is comfortable. He goes into a safe space. So Philip stepped into an uncomfortable place so the eunuch could be comfortable. And then look at the questions that come. Look about whom? Who's he speaking about here? Can you, can you help me? Is, is, Isaiah, is it Isaiah the one who's talking here? Who's this lamb that was slaughtered? Who is it that was humiliated in injustice? Who was it that was killed? That's what he's asking. And then the most wonderful things happens. Just reflecting on this passage, this verse has just jumped out to me again and again and again. Let me just read it for us. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. He told him the good news of Jesus. I just love that. What's Philip saying? Jesus. It's about Jesus. This is about Jesus. Jesus is the lamb who was slaughtered. Jesus is the perfect one who was killed. And let me tell you why that's good news, because it doesn't sound like good news, does it? See, what would he have told them? I think he would have told them that, that God is real. The one true God is real. He is good. He is powerful. He is just. He is right. And he made a good creation for human beings to live in. He gave them everything that they needed. But humanity rejected the very God who created them. They rejected the source of all that is good, all that is right, all that is just, all that is loving. And there is a separation between God and man because of this, caused by our rejection, caused by our sin. That's what the Bible calls it. And there is a punishment for that sin. There is a consequence for that sin, which is death. But God in his grace and his mercy, he promised to make a way. He promised to release humanity from the slavery to sin that they were under. He promised to make a way back to be in relationship with him again. 
And you know what he does? He starts, he starts with Israel. He brings Israel out of slavery. Slavery to Egypt. And he does it through the blood of a sacrificed lamb. Can you see what he, what he would do? He would point him to the passages of Scripture that he would show him. He said he, he promised to send someone. God promised to send a Messiah, a Christ, someone that would free the people, his people, from their slavery to sin. This passage that you read in Isaiah 53, it's all about this Christ figure. It's all about this Christ figure who would come to free humanity from the consequences, the punishment of sin. And it's good news, friend. Why is it good news? Because he's come. He's come. Jesus is the Christ. God the Father sent God the Son to live for us perfectly, to die for us in our place, taking our punishment, taking the consequence of sin, to enter into death itself, to actually go through death. And this Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he burst out of the tomb in newness of life, declaring that sin has been defeated, that death had no hold on him. The enemy of your souls has been defeated. Jesus Christ is alive. You'd be saying, friend, Jesus Christ is alive. You know what that means? You're free. You're forgiven. You too can have life. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's put all things right. He's making all things new. Jesus is good news, my friend. I wonder if he got even more personal with the Ethiopian eunuch. Maybe even took it down a, a, a level or two and said, this is why it's good news for you. You see, you, my friend, were always part of his plans. God has always been planning to bring a people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And I don't know where exactly he would have taken to, but my guess would have been Isaiah 56. It'd be up on the, the screen for you. So just after Isaiah 53, we read this. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. But thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenants. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and, he, and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcast of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. God is gathering the excluded, the outcast. God is gathering the eunuch, the Ethiopian. He's bringing them in. Maybe he would have taken him to Zephaniah 3, verse 9 to 10. But at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, that is Ethiopia, my worshippers, the daughters of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. Or maybe Psalm 68, 31, nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out their hands to God. And maybe he took him to Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Can you see? You're part of this plan, my friend. God sees you. God knows you. 
God has done what needs doing. He loves you. He invites you in. He really does invite you in, not to a building in Jerusalem, but into the very family of God himself. He invites you into freedom. He invites you into forgiveness. He invites you into a new creation. He invites you into a new purpose. He invites you into a relationship with a father with a never-ending love. He invites you into blessings eternal. He invites you into blessings eternal in this life and in the life to come. He invites you into the fear of death renewed, removed. He invites you into every longing of your heart being fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is good news, my friend. Jesus is good news, brother. And then the sea moves along in verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. She asked Philip explained the good news of Jesus. It seemed he also explained how we are to respond through baptism. Believers are called to be baptized, to publicly, physically show that we've been united to Christ in death. That's why we go down into the water. And to show that we've been united to Christ in life. That's why we come out of the water. What we are doing is declaring what God has done for us. Declaring what God has done in us. We are declaring that we are children of God. And also, God in his majestic power. God in his majestic presence declares, this is my beloved child. This is my beloved child. The eunuch points and he says, okay. There's water. Can I be baptized? What he's saying is that I believe all you've said about Jesus. I believe that he was a son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. Philip then stops him dead in his tracks and says, whoa, no, slow down. Don't get ahead of yourself. You need to sort your life out first. You need to get clean. You need to stop sinning. You need to be like me. You need to know all the doctrines of what Jesus Christ did on the, on the cross inside and out. You need to be a lot more mature. You're not good enough yet. Get your life together, then come and speak to us about baptism. He doesn't say that at all, does he? Thank the Lord that he doesn't say that at all, because I wouldn't have been baptized. Probably still not now, to be honest. Because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, believe and be baptized. God says, come as you are. We're going to sort that out as we walk together through it. I'm not going to leave you alone. We will walk that together. Me, you, and the family that I put around you. Do you hear the word family repeatedly? The family that I put around you. Only Christ is perfect. Thank the Lord for Christ. This is the beginning of our eternal walk, our life together. And so they go to the water. I love this picture. Jew and Gentile, included and excluded, go down to the water together and Philip baptizes him. What a picture. What a picture of inclusion. What a picture of unity. What a picture of God's mission. What a picture of God's people. It's beautiful. 
God then moves Philip on to preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in Caesarea. And the eunuch, what does he do? I love this. Don't miss this either, folks. What does the eunuch do? It's the only rational response. He rejoices. And we skip over that. What does he do? He rejoices. The, the fruits of life with God is rejoicing. It is. We have joy because of Christ. He experienced joy in the depths of his soul in ways that he'd never done before. I'm not sure exactly what else. The Bible doesn't say. It kind of leaves him with joy in his heart. But Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers, writes that this guy became a missionary amongst his people in Ethiopia, which I think rings true. What a picture. What a picture that we have given to us here by God. Praise God. But folks, there's another scene. Let's call this scene four. Now this scene is a, a really old church. It's got crumbling walls. Dangerously so if you're too close to them. It's got a massive pipe organ. It's got these curved wooden pews which are strangely comfortable because of the little arch in the back, to me anyway. There's a slight chill in this autumn air that we've probably feeling more today than we have done for a little while. But the same words, the same words are reverberating around the space. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. See, there are characters in this scene. There's me, there's you, and there's God himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are here with us right now, in this place, in this time. How are we going to respond to what we are hearing and what God is doing? See, if you're a believer here today, you call Cornerstone Church, your home. I think there's a challenge here to give of ourselves for this mission. And we do that by seeing the joy that we have in the gospel, to be reminded of the gospel. What does he say? What's the phrase? He told him the good news about Jesus. Let me say that again, folks. He told him the good news about Jesus. Has that got lost? Has that got lost, folks? Has the news maybe become not about the good news of Jesus? Maybe it's time to turn to God and say, give me that joy back, Lord. Help me. Help this to be good news again, because it is good news. And in that, then we ask for help to boldly step forward. See, I read this, and I'm like, that's incredible what's happened. That is so amazing what Philip does. Lord, help me to be someone who steps forward into the opportunities that you give me daily. We all have opportunities in every part of our life to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Let's pray that we would take those opportunities and speak the gospel to the people around us. Has the gospel actually become talking about vaccines or COVID or the government's? Is it time to talk and to distill it right down and just talk purely and simply about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's the best news that you will ever, 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 ever hear. 
And folks, if you're a new believer here today, can I encourage you, please, step forward. Please don't hide. Please don't hide. Don't think that you can't ask for help. Don't think that there are, not, there are some questions that you can't ask. This is a safe place for you to work out your faith. A safe place to work out your faith. A safe place to ask your questions. A safe place to, to, to ask about life and how to work this out. A safe place to try to understand what's going on here in this really big book that God and his grace has given us. We're all trying to walk through this together. God is infinite and eternal and by his grace helps us to understand him and his word. But none of us understand it completely. Praise God for that. We come to it daily and God feeds us daily. Join us as we do it together. Let's share a meal together as we open up God's word. We don't have all the answers. We're not saying that. But what we are saying is let's walk in relationship together with God because he can help us. And he does help his people as we open his word. Thirdly, if you haven't been baptized, here is water. Here is water. What stops you from being baptized today? In a second, we're going to sing a song. If you do want to be baptized, there's going to be leaders at the front, the church. Just come and speak to us. Come and let us know if you want to be baptized today. Let's have a conversation. Let's pray about it. You don't need to hold back. Fourthly, if you don't believe, is God, by his spirit, calling you now? Is he calling you now? Is he calling you as I read about this lamb that was slain? Is he, is he calling you to see the wonder and the beauty of that lamb? Is he lifting up your, your, your eyes? Is he lifting up the eyes of your heart to see the beauty of Jesus? Is he stirring in your heart right now? Is he showing you a savior who offers freedom from sin, freedom from slavery to sin? Is he showing you a way through death to life? Please come and speak to us. Don't leave those promptings of God to one side. Come speak to us. We'd love to walk that path with you. And lastly, if you're getting baptized today, you guys over there, Wayne, can't see Vanessa. She's with Vanessa somewhere. She with the kids. Look at that. There you go. How can I serve? <laughs> yeah. Guys, Wayne, Vanessa, Jimmy, Susan. See, as you respond in obedience, as you go through these waters of baptism, you are declaring publicly, I'm a child of God, amongst family. There are people here who love you, and there are people here who are saying, we haven't got all the answers, but we will walk through life together until the point of death, pointing to Christ. You are declaring publicly, you are a child of God. And I pray today, this is my prayer for you as I was praying for you this morning, guys. I pray by God's Holy Spirit that you too would hear the Father's voice as you come out of that water. This is my child. And I pray that you would know and feel his pleasure that is yours in Christ, that you would know and feel his pleasure in you, on you, and through you. Because Cornerstone Church... I don't think I should have to say this, but I think I need to say this because I think we forget it. God's here. God's here. Do we believe that? God, the eternal, ever-loving, all-powerful, intimate God is here right now, right here, in this time, in this place, with us. And do you know what he's doing, folks? As we sing and as we baptize people and as we do the things that he calls us to, do you know what he's doing? He's joining us. He's taking pleasure in what we are doing. He's singing with us. There is a, a, choir and angels, a choir of angels in heaven singing with us. That's what the Bible says. He is rejoicing with us.
I pray that not just these guys, but all of us would know that joy today as we join him. What a God. What a Savior. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much that you are such a wonderful, good God that we can read these accounts and see and know that you are such a caring, powerful God, that you are over all things, that you love and know your people. Father, I just pray today, help us, as those who believe here, Father, help us to, to give ourselves this mission. Help us to feel that joy that we see is there. Help us to experience that joy. Father, help us to walk alongside one another. Fathers, for those that don't believe today, or maybe you're calling to yourself, I pray that this would be the moment that they step forward and say, I believe. I want to know more. Father, remove any pride or insecurity that can stop people turning and saying, I want to know more about this stuff. Please help me. Father, help us to be open to that, I pray, as a church. And Father, I pray that each and every person here would leave this place with a joy in their heart because we know you, that you love us. Father, help, help us to hear as we sing now and as we do this as a family, help us to, help us to feel your pleasure, the pleasure of a father who takes great delight in his children, each and every one of them, each and every one of them. Father, we love you. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the gift of your presence. Amen.